The Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode, I look at one of Philip K. Dick's works. Uh, currently, we're looking at the stories of 1954. And the first thing I'd like to say about the story we're going to look at today, which is of Withered Apples, is that it's written pretty much within a few days of of one of his classic stories, one of Philip Dick's classic stories about marriage and family, and that is Human Is. Now, we're not going to hear about that for quite a while because, for me at least, because Human Is, is was published about a year later. But if we actually look at the dates when these stories were comprised, Of Withered Apples was written um, by our best estimates January 26, 1953. Human Is written February 2nd, 1953. So pretty much within a week. He wrote these two stories. Both are about family and relationships. Um, and and I've been talking about this kind of uh, a set of stories from these early works that all kind of deal on the same theme. Of Withered Apples, Out in the Garden, and Beyond the Door, and Human Is. And what you actually have here is oh, an adulterous wife in all these tales. Uh, but who she's cheating on is different in each tale. In one, it's a cuckoo clock, a kind of a symbol, a technology. In one, it's an animal. In one, it's a, a, a tree. That's the one we're going to be looking at today of withered apples. And in one story, human is, she's cheating on her husband with essentially an alien. Okay, so this this is, I don't know if this is my favorite of that group, but it's a lot of fun. Um, it's got a rule setting. It deals with some issues of the family farm even and the pressures felt by small-time farmers. But at the heart of it, this is yet another story about the broken marriage and the problematic marriage. It was originally published in July of 1954 in Cosmo Science Fiction and Fantasy. This might be the first time he published in that journal. Um, it doesn't. I've never even heard of it outside of this this uh, story. Now, you know, if you if you followed at all the kind of the this podcast or science fiction in general, you know that the way writers got published in, in these days, especially in the 1950s and 60s, 40s, 30s, that whole period of time was in these magazines. And there was kind of a bubble economy with them. And Cosmos Science Fiction and Fantasy was certainly one of the ones that didn't make it very far. Um, you can look up this stuff in the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction and you can find the history of some of these journals. And I'm not going to do this commonly, but this particular one is only four issues were ever produced. September 1953 to July 1954. Um, in fact, this was in the final issue of Cosmos Science Fiction and Fantasy. And I don't think it was because of the low quality of this particular story, although it might not be remembered as one of Dick's finest achievements. Um, of course, you're probably not going to have a copy of Cosmos Science Fiction and Fantasy, so if you want to see this, read this story, you can find it in the second volume of the Collected Stories of Philip K. Dick. Okay, so let's get right into the story. Like I said, it's, it's got a rule setting. It's set on a farm that's 
you know, facing some, you know, some economic questions about its future. And then at the heart of this family that we're meeting, we have a troubled relationship between a husband and wife. So we have a woman, Lori, and she starts out sitting at a couch and she hears a tapping from outside of the window. And she opens the window and a leaf blows in, wraps itself around her neck gently and then falls to her feet. She realizes that she's wanted and she goes out and the way Dick writes this, it's clear that she's going out again, that this isn't the first time this strange event has happened where it seems a tree is talking to her. So Lori tells her husband, Steve, that she is going out. But as we might expect, Steve just sort of ignores her. And this is a common theme in these stories um, is the neglected wife. As much as we want to maybe think that Dick had a problem with women. He, of course, he was married five times and he had a lot of, you know, he kind of had the serial monogamy and he had a lot of troubles with, you know, stay, keeping these relationships going that maybe he takes us out on women. But in his literature, it's often the husband that comes off looking kind of bad. Now, it's, in some of the novels, there are some villainous women to be sure. Um, and so just because there's troubled relationships doesn't mean he's always blaming this on, on women, on the wives. Often, as in all of this whole set of stories I've been talking about here, the ones where these, you have these affairs with non-human entities, in all these cases, it's pretty much the husband that's aloof and indifferent and, and the real problem in the relationship. So anyway, she, she, she's just ignored. So he can, she can kind of go off and do what she wants and, and her husband doesn't really care. So Peter and her Ed, this is Peter's father, Lori's father-in-law, are in the quote middle of business. She promises that this will be the last time she goes to visit the old abandoned farm up in nearby hills. So Ed starts to tell Steve some of the history of the farm that, that she lives on. And here we actually have a patrilocal relationship, right? So Lori is moving into her husband's land and her father-in-law's land. And that you know, always has a lot of conflicts involved. If you've ever been in a situation where you've had to live with an in-law for a while, you can know how, how complex it can be, especially for the person who's the, the you know, the, the intruder into the relationship. So Ed starts to tell this history of this farm and especially how the previous owners just couldn't get orchards growing there that would bear much fruit. Steve eventually asks Lori what she does up there and she tells him that she really can't explain it to him at all and it's kind of a mystery that she, it's kind of outside of the realm of description and she leaves and she feels for the leaf in her pocket and she feels the, the leaf actually digging into her so there's something almost alive about this leaf her heart racing Lori walks towards this abandoned farm and after crossing a field she sees this grove of old trees only one of these trees is still living so the, this previous farmer has been, you know, was trying to grow this orchard and only this one tree seems to have survived this long period of time. Um, alive, just dead trees all over there. So it's kind of a, a nice image if, if you have the imagination for it. It's struggling to survive. It's been neglected, yet it, it endures. She tells the tree that she's come after being summoned by the leaf. She tells the tree, she's talking to the tree, she tells the tree that she will not be able to come again because Steve doesn't like it. And as she moves closer to hold the tree, the branches surround her. She escapes the tree branches, reminding the tree that it can't have her. Basically, she's saying, I'm a faithful wife. I cannot be yours. And as she walks away, a small dried apple falls to her feet. She takes it and consumes it later while preparing dinner for Steve. 
In bed, Lori feels a sudden burst of pain from her stomach. The pain intensifies. Her screams wake up her husband. Ed comes into the room and is not able to save her. The next day, a doctor comes and examines Lori's dead body. So she died over the night of this strange pain. He believes it was appendicitis that killed her. You know, it comes from the part of the stomach where it came. But he does ask if she'd eaten anything strange before she died. And her husband's just too aloof to her needs and what she does that to know, you know one way or another about that. So half a year later, Steve is feeling this guilt over Lori's death. Had they lived in the city, she could have lived. And, you know, we're reminded here that it seems that this farm might be in hard times. We, it's really hinted at because Peter and Ed, the son and the father, are talking about business. It seems they're talking about the trouble on the land and other farmers went out of business nearby there. So it's heavily hinted that this is a struggling um, homestead. But he thinks maybe I should have went off and lived in the city. She could have lived. Which is, of course, he's telling, he's showing this remorse and desire for her after she was already gone. Something she, he didn't really show while she lived. Ed tells him that it's been long enough and that he should just get on with his life. This is kind of a very indifferent relationship uh, between the father-in-law and the daughter-in-law, certainly. They eventually visit Lori's grave and they notice a nice young apple tree already showing fruit that has grown there very quickly, right? Just uh, six months. And it's April, so they shouldn't even be showing fruit yet. And the red of the apples was the same color as Lori's cheeks. That's the story. It, it's not very long. It's, it's just this, essentially, this old tree and pregnates this woman kills her and at her gravesite is able to give birth to a, a tree um, the most interesting thing about this of course is this this kind of supernatural desire between this woman and a tree it's the third story from dick's prolific 1953-1954 period about an adulterous woman having an affair with a non-human um, and if we add human is it, it's the fourth story and we've already looked at Beyond the Door and Out of the Garden. This might be the most elegant of these. It's very mysterious. It's often very beautiful. The imagery is quite stunning. It's, it's even the most touching of the three because the cuckoo clock relationship in Beyond the Door is not, you don't really feel it. And certainly you don't feel the one in Out of the Garden where it's just implied that this duck or goose or something is, is the mother of the son or the, the father of the son. But in this story, you actually see some of the intimacy between this, this tree, which might be a supernatural entity, certainly, that the door is open on that. But we, we feel it, and we feel this desire she has for any kind of human, you know, any kind of connection. I shouldn't say human, because obviously this tree isn't human, but any kind of connection in her life. So this is something that she's lacking so desperately. Now, there's not that much here, though, to analyze. Lori is living in a farm with her husband and his father. So she's neglected by both of the men, right? and even more so by her father-in-law, but even by her husband. And, you know, I wonder to what degree is the husband neglecting her because he's just taking cues from the father-in-law, right? Like the father-in-law doesn't accept them. So you're loyal to your father before you're loyal to your wife in this type of relationship, right? Or if it's a man living with... A woman's family, you know, it might just be turned around, but the woman will kind of follow what the parents want before what the husband might need. 
So that's kind of an open question here. But what we're given, what we're presented here is that they're both kind of aloof to her and she's very lonely. She's on a farm. Um, really, there's no one around besides these two men for her to interact with. They're slightly concerned with her odd behavior of her going out at strange hours, but as long as she cooks her dinner, they pretty much don't care. She's very sexually frustrated. She finds desire in the invitations of this tree. And it's, it's really wonderfully made with these leaves that use the wind as a messenger. It's, it's kind of actually beautiful imagery. Her condition, though, is very similar to that of the women we met in Beyond the Door and Out of the Garden and in Human Is, where the husband's just not there, whether it's because you know, he's at work all the time or here he's just more emotionally distanced and Human Is, it's also work. Work is a big thing that divides up work and the time people spend at work is a big thing breaking these relationships up. And like out in the garden, we see an affair that's leading to the birth of a child. In this example, it's the apple tree that grows from her grave. This pregnancy was caused by consuming one of these withered apples that was grown by the last survivor of a neglected apple orchard. So we have another example of neglect here. In this case, it's the neglect of the apple orchard. So we got up. We perhaps should think about this as the coming together of two neglected entities. The, the tree is neglected by the farmer who left them, right? And most of the rest died. So in, the, in effect, they, they have something in common. As different as they are, you know, they're different species. They have this commonality in that no one really cares for them in any meaningful way. In, now, in the novels, Dick is going to explore the broken marriage really obsessively. And the adulterous wife is one character he often reuses. And now, I think it's in this trio of stories, though, that Dick, you know, looks at this. And they're all low fantasy. Right, they're all—they're not science fiction stories. Human is is more science fiction, but these other three are all low fantasy, and they're all dealing with the same phenomenon. Now, it's not though. Like in this novels, you're going to get women that are much more the villain, or, or not presented as kindly as these women. I think are presented. So it's—I think we should pay attention to these stories just because they do seem to be telling a different story than some of the later images of women we get in his novels. Now, we could, of course, compare this to the mainstream novels, which was written at the time. I only know about one of these, The Confessions of a Crap Artist. And I don't even know if in this podcast I'll look at some of these others, like Puttering About in a Small Land. And, you know, there, there's a bunch of others. They've a lot, Most of them weren't published till after he died. And some have only been published recently. And I haven't gotten around to them. And I probably should. And maybe when I get to the end of the podcast, I'll come back, clean up, and, and get to those. And to see what he says about adultery in those novels. But he has taken it on directly here. So I think we can, you know, suggest there's a, a heart here about the about what Dick was thinking in 1953 and 54 about about marriage. Um, now, apparently, people sometimes do have sexual desire towards plants. Um, we, of course, know bestiality is a real thing. I think if you go back to the Kinsey reports, from the 1940s, Kinsey lays out that, I forget the number, I'm just guessing here from what I remember, but it was like 8% of men in the countryside reported having sex with animals. So that, that was less in the cities, of course, because animals weren't around, but that was fairly common, right? And then we have all this literature and folklore that seems to back up this relationship. And there's a lot of art. In fact, I got this book somewhere uh, in a box. Most of my books are still in boxes, unfortunately. 
but I got, I got this book called Dearest Pet, which is a lot of the cultural representations of, of relationships between human beings and animals. You have, of course, folklore, uh, like the satyrs, and especially in Greek mythology, you have all these half-human, half-animal kind of hybrid things, centaurs and satyrs. And, and, but then you have like dryads, which are more like forest nymphs. So maybe there's a, a kind of a human attraction to plants or nature in that way is revealed through those type of creatures. I, I'm not sure. But, you know, it'd be interesting to, to see more if people do have these more emotional ties to plants, uh, that especially trees, which they may cultivate. Um, you know, some of my earliest memories playing outside have to do with trees, you know, and sometimes I go back to my, my parents still live in the house I grew up in, and sometimes I go back there and, you know, some of the trees, are, I still have very vivid memories of certain trees and where they are. They're gone now. They've been replaced with other ones, but I still have these vivid memories of, of trees. So maybe there's something to that. I don't know. But um, anyways, again, not much to say about this story, except it's kind of part of this trilogy. And it's kind of over going to other themes. And instead of the suburban family, we have a rural family. And it's not that often that, that Dick looks at these, these uh, like the farmer. It's not his favorite motif. He's the, the repairman or the salesperson or the suburban family is closer to what he's looking at. We got some fireworks. It's not close to Chinese New Year. I don't know. Um, you know, there's all these festivals that I don't really know about in Taiwan, and sometimes they're it's accompanied with fireworks. Maybe some God's birthday. Anyways, um, I guess that's it of Withered Apples. Check it out. It only takes ten minutes to read or so, so it's it's worth looking at. Um, thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back shortly with another of Philip K. Dick's short stories. Composes my tired thoughts once more. That living dies, that living dies, that living dies.